Jonah has been not where I expected it to be as we've started this process. This is the third sermon in Jonah, and we are going to be looking at Jonah chapter 2 today. But I want to tell you a story before I begin today. It's a story that I heard about a young lady who had recently come to faith in Christ. And she was so excited about this new life that she had found. She, it, it transformed her, and she was just, she just wanted to tell everybody about it. And so she, she got together with her group of friends, and, and she started telling them about how excited she was about Jesus and how her life was different. Well, one of the guys in her group um, decided to mock her. And he said to her, listen, I've been down that road that you have just started on. And I don't believe God in any, anymore. I don't believe in God at all. In fact, I'm done with all of that. I mean, do you, do you actually read the Bible? And she says, well, yes, of course. I love to read the Bible. I open it up and it's exciting to me. And, and I, it, it nourishes me. It gives me energy for my day. And, and he said to her, well, do you actually believe it? I mean, do you actually believe that God created the world? Yes, yes, of course I believe it. I mean, I, I don't know, I can't explain how everything happened exactly, but, but I believe it with all my heart. Okay, okay, really? Really? And what about Jonah? I mean, do you actually believe that this guy was swallowed by a whale or a fish or whatever and survived for three days and then the whale spit him out? I mean, do you actually believe that? Yes, I, I absolutely believe that the Bible is true. I believe that the story of Jonah is true. <laughs> well, then tell me this. How did that happen? Well, I, I don't know how it happened. But I guess when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what if Jonah ended up in hell? <laughs> Well, then I guess you'll have to ask him. I have no idea if that story is true. It's just funny. And I totally stole that from somebody else, but, you know. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we open up your word again today, it's with expectation. And we know that you've already spoken to us, even in this beginning part of Jonah. And yet, we, we now are here and ready to be nourished again from you. Your word is truth. Your word is inspired. And now we ask that your inspired word of truth would inspire us. Help us, Lord, as we read out from Scripture that our life might be given nourishment to face another day. Amen. Well, last week we did read Jonah chapter 1 together. And you know, we learned about the prophet Jonah. Can I just summarize the chapter really quickly for us? God gave a word to speak to the great and evil city of Nineveh to Jonah. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He got a ship for Tarshish, and he did not go to Nineveh. And then while Jonah was on the ship, the Lord sent a great wind, and the sailors on the ship knew that the ship was about to sink. And that caused the sailors to pray. But Jonah slept. The sailors 
cast lots, and they discovered that the cause of their calamity was none other than Jonah. So the sailors woke Jonah up, and they questioned him, and they soon discovered the truth. They knew that Jonah was running from God because he had told them so, but now they knew the God that Jonah served, the God of the land and the sea. And they were terrified. They asked Jonah what to do, and Jonah said, throw me overboard, and the sea will become calm. But the sailors, these pagan sailors, even though they were terrified, and even though they just heard Jonah say this, they did not throw Jonah over. They got back on their oars, and they began to paddle again for land, but it was no use. It soon became apparent because the wind grew even more that their death was upon them. So they asked God for forgiveness before they threw Jonah over. And when Jonah splashed in the water, the seas grew calm. And the sailors worshipped the true God. Their prayers had been to false gods before. Now they prayed to Yahweh, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the Lord provided a great fish who swallowed Jonah, and his life was spared. And now I want to read Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I have said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought me, brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you may notice that this section of Jonah is indented and looks different than the rest of the book. It's not in paragraphs. Instead, it is in stanzas. This is poetry. Hmm. Poetry. Does anybody hate poetry as much as me? Seriously. You know, this isn't good, but I'm just going to be honest with you. When I'm reading the Bible, 
especially the Old Testament, and I, I get to a section of poetry, I purposely read faster. I go into skim mode. Because <laughs> I want to get to the good stuff. You know, the narrative, the story. Skip over the poetry junk. It's so flowery. I'm pretty sure David and I would not have gotten along well. Yeah. Now, I don't know how poetry connects with you. I'm guessing that for some of you, you're like, oh, poetry is wonderful. I spend most of my time in the Psalms. Well, Lord be with you. I can't handle the Psalms. I mean, it's God's Word. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to read it. But it's like, wow, this is really boring. (laughs) This is poetry. Of course, this is a mistake. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's not the way this is supposed to be. And obviously, there's good stuff here. Right? So, this is one of the reasons that I preach exegetically and expositionally through books of Scripture. Because it doesn't let me skip sections. Because I would totally skip this chapter. If, if, if I were just preaching like one sermon on Jonah, I would not preach on Jonah chapter 2. Seriously. I, I, this week I'm like, what am I even going to say about this? I mean, it's, it's just a prayer. Poetry. Blech. Well, as God has a way of doing, if you will just be steady and be faithful, God has so much for us. So, I want to make just a few observations, three observations, about Jonah chapter 2. Here's my first observation. Take a look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. You ready for this? Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer of Jonah to God. Wow. Thanks, Pastor Jason. That was super insightful. You know, it's obvious that Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer. But I would like to suggest to you that just because that's obvious does not make it less significant. Let's go back and look again at chapter 1 to understand the significance of the fact that Jonah is praying this prayer in chapter 2. Look at the first three verses of chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. Now there's more, but let's just get to the point here. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Can I ask you a question? When Jonah ran away from God... Did he only use his legs? See, when we think about running away from God, in our mind, as it should, we think about someone running, right? And we think about Jonah, you know, physically buying the ticket and getting on the ship and and doing all of those things that are physical when we think about running away. But I think there's a whole lot more going on here, and of course you would agree with me, Jonah did physically run away from God. I mean, he actually ran away from the temple of God in Jerusalem. He ran away also from the destination he was supposed to go to, which was Nineveh, which, by the way, is about 500 miles to the east of Jerusalem and north. And he ran to Tarshish, Tarshish, which was about 2,000 miles to the west, opposite direction. Okay? 
So yes, Jonah physically ran away. But he ran much farther away in a different way than his legs. Jonah ran away from his relationship with God. You know, the entire story of chapter 1, in that, in that whole chapter, if you read it, the one that I recapped, there's something interesting about that story, something that's missing that makes it very interesting. In chapter 1 of Jonah, Jonah never talks to God. Not once. Doesn't even allude to the fact that Jonah in any way had any conversation with the Lord. You know, what we call talking about God has a fancy word. It is prayer. (laughs) Not real fancy. Talking with God is prayer. Do you know what's absent in chapter 1? Prayer. It's obvious that chapter 2 is about prayer, but it is significant because Jonah didn't do any praying in chapter 1. There is no prayer in chapter 1. And now in chapter 2, for the first time in this story, Jonah speaks again to God. Are you running from God? Physically, maybe. But if you're sitting here or if you're watching from home, my guess is you are not currently physically running from God. But I wonder if you might be running from God in the way that matters even more. Are you running from God relationally? You know, I've heard it said, this is just a little phrase that I've used before. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's helpful. God is a perfect gentleman. He does not go where he is not invited. We're going to come back to this thought on prayer in just a minute, but I want to move on to my second observation in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah's prayer is familiar. As you listened to me read Jonah chapter 2 this morning, did it remind you of anything? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I think Jonah's prayer sounded like something. It sounded like other poetry that is in Scripture. It was similar. It had the same themes, the same tones. I wonder why that is. I think I know why that is. I think it's because Jonah had spent his whole life before this moment as a prophet of God. Remember, from our previous sermons, Jonah was a faithful prophet of God. Do you know what faithful prophets of God do? Do you know what faithful people of God do? They pray and they read that. Do you know why they read it? Because they're in relationship with God. And this is one of the ways, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us. You see, relationships are always two-way streets, aren't they? I've used the analogy before, and I'll use it again. Two people, when they are getting married, when there's a wedding happening, can you imagine if right after the husband said, I do, from that point onward, never spoke to his wife again? I mean, that's crazy. Obviously, something's dreadfully wrong with that marriage. Yes, yes. And yet, sometimes we in the church get this idea that we can just get our ticket punched in heaven, whether that's 
baptism or confirmation or even, you know, I went to the altar and got saved and now I'm good. Like you've got your ticket punched. As if, as if somehow you don't, you don't need to continue a relationship with God. Of course, that's crazy. Relationship with God, you will be in His Word. Now, are you saved because you're reading the Bible every day? No, I'm not saying you're saved because you read the Bible every day. But I am saying that if you're saved, you'll probably have a desire inside you to get to know God better. See how that works? Jonah was a faithful prophet of God before all of this happened. That means that Jonah was in the Word. And of course, up to that point, remember, David was before Jonah, right? David wrote many of the Psalms. Jonah undoubtedly knew them, probably by heart, all of them that David had written. And everything that went before that Moses had written. And in this moment of death for Jonah, finally when the prayers bubbled up inside of him, finally when he stopped running, what came out? I'll tell you what came out. Everything that he had put in before. Might I suggest to you that it matters if you are in God's word, when times are good. Because when times are difficult, that's when it comes back. And it comes out, as it did for Jonah. I want to read, and you can follow along if you'd like, Psalm 139. This is a psalm of David. And I want you to think about how this had to have been in Jonah's mind as he prayed as he prayed his prayer of thanksgiving inside that fish. Just listen to the first 12 chapters of this psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, <laughs> even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. (laughs) Do you hear in Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving? David's prayer. You see, When Scripture is inside us in the good times, it is there to come out in the bad. Read your Bible. (laughs) And now, one more observation about Jonah's prayer being familiar. 
The great sweeping themes of Scripture are present in Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving. A theme that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You can just look on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Deep, that word in Hebrew, it means more than just low down. It has the idea of the chaos that exists when God is not there. Think about that now. The chaos of existence when God is not present is a key theme throughout all of Scripture, and it is a theme that impacts our world today. And it is impacting all of the craziness that is around us right now. The deep, the chaos, the oblivion of life without God is pressing in on all aspects of our life in this country today. Because do you know what life is without God? Meaningless. Around us are people who are drowning in the deep church. The oblivion of what life means when there is no meaning to life. And all manner of substitutions are made to try to get people out of the deep. And none of them work except God. Because it is only God who hovers over the deep and can create out of that chaos, out of that oblivion, a meaning in life that only comes from Him. And that is the message of light and hope that the church of God has for our nation today. Our salvation is not in vaccines. Our salvation is in God. But God can also work. In many different ways, can he not? Oh, this idea of deep is so important in our world today. And look, look in Jonah. I'm going to go through Jonah verse by verse. And I want you to, to look at the way the word deep and the word go down is used. Look at Jonah chapter 2. Jonah calls from the, where is that? From the depths. And that word in Hebrew, of course, like I've already said, it means more than the deepness of the ocean. It means the oblivion of meaninglessness when you are not recognizing and in relationship with God. Verse 2, he is hurled. Where is he hurled? In verse 3, where is he hurled? Into the deep. Have you ever felt hurled into the, the chaos and the oblivion? of? Uh, have you tasted that feeling of what life is like if God isn't who we thought he was? And for those of you have, that have been angry with God, and for those of you who, have, who the sermon from last week hit a chord with you as you remembered those moments of deep anguish, you've, you've reached out and touched the deep of Jonah, haven't you? It's cold in the meaninglessness of life without God. Verse 4, he was banished 
from your sight. You have a look again from your holy temple. The idea of banishment. By the way, if you're banished from the sight of God, so you're banished from the presence of God, can I just help you with a little theological concept right here? Because we've got this little, this little idea that we think hell is this place where there's fire and there's the, the devil's there with his pitchfork, right? We've got this idea that, well, I don't want to go hang out up there with all the boring Christians. I'm going to go down there where the party is. <laughs> because that's what American culture has turned hell into, right? There's about 19 shows on the WB channel about angels and hell. Supernatural. I don't know. Crazy stuff. Do you want to know what hell really is? Hell is a place where God is not. It's the deep. The chaos and oblivion of existence outside God's presence. Verse 6. Verse 5, I'm sorry. The deep surrounded him. The deep Verse 6, where did he go? He sank down. You know, in Hebrew, they don't have the same word for hell that we have in Greek. In fact, in the New Testament, the word for hell that Jesus uses is, he uses a couple words, but the one we're familiar with the most is Gehenna. Gehenna is the idea of the, the garbage pit outside Jerusalem that is always on fire. That's where we get the fire analogy. But Jesus used that term as a way of saying, it's where the refuge is thrown. The stuff that is no longer usable. The stuff that is thrown out. But in Hebrew, the word that is most often used for hell is Sheol. Sheol means the grave. Or another translation, the deep. Jonah's fleeing from God has brought him to hell. (laughs) At least figuratively. Have you run from God and tasted the oblivion? And then something happens. In the middle of this prayer, everything's been going down, sinking down to the deep. And then look at verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer did what? Rose up. This prayer of thanksgiving is a prayer that recognizes that Jonah has died but been brought to new life by the salvation of God. I can't understand why Jesus would have used Jonah as an example. (laughs) You skip over this little prayer of thanksgiving and you miss this. God has resurrected Jonah from the deep, from oblivion, From that place of meaninglessness, God has reached down and offered him salvation. You know, even in verse 10, the NIV doesn't quite say this 
But, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah. In Hebrew, it's vomited up. <laughs> Everything happens up after verse 7. Up. Descend into the deep and then come up because God. That sounds like baptism or something. Are you catching that there's a theme at play here? Oh, wow. And then, last little note about this familiarity of Jonah, of his prayer. Look at verse 4 again. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your temple. Can I ask you a question again? Another question, just to make you think. Did God banish Jonah? Ha! It's possible to banish yourself. Oh, that's scary. It wasn't God who did the banishing. In fact, look at this whole story. God was present in every step of this story up until this point. And spoiler alert, God's there all the way to the end. It is not God who banished Jonah. It is Jonah who banished himself. Do you know that it's interesting? I hear people say, God feels so distant from me right now. You want to know something about God? One of his characteristics is he is unmovable. He, the, the fancy word is immutable. God does not move. But we do. Right? If you feel distant from God, God's not the one that moved. Jonah teaches us that. You did. And if you feel distant from God, I can guarantee you, God is where he always was, ready for you to step back to him again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, third thing. Jonah is praying this prayer while he's still in the fish. Interesting. I kind of would have thought that Jonah would have prayed this prayer after the fish would have puked him out. I just, I mean, this is one of those things that's obvious again. And yet, super significant. Jonah prays the prayer in the fish. Do you think it's possible Jonah might have thought he was going to get digested? Yeah, absolutely. See, we know the story of Jonah, so we know he gets puked out. But Jonah didn't. I mean, in his mind, have you ever, have you ever experienced a God hunt sighting that we talk about? Have you ever experienced God moving in your life and that little voice in the back of your head says, that was probably just a coincidence? You ever experienced that? Well, I could reason out, I could logically figure out how that could have just been a coincidence and not God. What do you think was going through Jonah's mind in the fish? Well, that was pretty lucky that that fish came by right then. Don Goldie, pretty lucky that that tree just happened to be there. Wow, what a coincidence. Woo. Whoa, that was pretty lucky, right? Uh, I'm not a real big fan of lucky. <laughs> I think that God is at work. 
And yet, Jonah gave thanksgiving before his feet were on the dry land. I think that matters because I think that applies to us. Some of you today may very well be in that place we talked about last week, that place of anger, that place of running away, that place, even if the running isn't physical, if you've run away from God, some of you need to remember to say thank you in the middle of the trial. I almost skipped this chapter. (laughs) And there's such incredible power here. Those are my three observations. And now a very quick application. I want you to remember this. This phrase I'm going to say here. Prayerlessness is the refusal to acknowledge God. Prayerlessness is the refusal to acknowledge God. Now, I don't know how much you pray, and I'm not going to go up and hear, up stand here and say, you should pray more. Uh, I had a seminary professor that told me, never should over people. Never should all over people. Yeah, some of you got it. That was a seminary professor, okay? So I, I figure I can say it again. It's not my job to should all over people. I don't think that's my calling. Okay? My calling is to show you the truth and to encourage you and to exhort you. My calling is also to protect you from other people that you're hurting as well, is it not? But I'm not going to should all over you, right? So, I just want to point you to the truth. And the truth is, if you are not a prayerful person, if praying is not a part of who you are or what you do. You are refusing God. You're refusing to acknowledge God. You see, when you you choose not to pray about something, like if you've got a decision, if you choose not to pray about that decision, do you know what you're saying? God is not intelligent enough or strong enough to actually help me. Right? You're saying, God has nothing to add to my situation that will be helpful. You're saying, I can handle this without God. I don't need God in this moment because my training has prepared me for this. You see, the refusal to talk to God is like a shining neon sign saying, I don't need God. Prayer changes things. Even prayers of thanksgiving. (laughs) Family, can I talk to you for a second? The, especially family with young kids, but family with any age kids. This, this is especially for you. My guess would be that some of you in here do not pray before you eat meals together as a family. Okay? So I'm speaking to you now. This isn't a you're a bad family for that. I just want, I just want to say this. Failure to pray before you eat a meal misses the opportunity to remember that God is the one who provided it to you. And that changes your whole perspective in your family. I encourage you, especially families with children at home, 
But of course, this is for everybody. But especially families with children at home. Pray. Um, just a short prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord for your food. In my family, it's just small. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. Bam. And it reminds me, it gets me straight every time. Right? Wherever you are today, wherever you are, some of you might be running from God today. Some of you might be really angry. Some of you might be experiencing divisions in your family over COVID-19 vaccines. And you might just be angry. Don't forget to pray a prayer of thanksgiving in the middle of the storm. And God will meet you there. Keep talking to God. I encourage you. Keep praying. Keep being open to the relationship that you have with the Father. Especially in the middle. Especially when you're in the belly of the whale. And you're not just totally sure if God is rescuing you right now. Or if he's just prolonging the suffering as you are slowly digested. Pray. Well, I'm going to end with uh, one more thing. A fourth observation that I'm not going to talk about today, but this is the ending of my sermon. Something very, very important is missing from Jonah's prayer in chapter 2. I wonder if you caught it. It's always tricky to to catch what isn't there, and we always need to be careful with that because you can read more into it than you should. But I want to suggest, just as a taste for our discussion next week, what is missing from Jonah's prayer in chapter 2. Repentance. Jonah never repented. Oh, we've got some more to talk about. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful when we step away to receive us when we step back. And now, Lord, for those of us who feel like they are in the belly of the fish right now, and they don't know if it's been salvation or destruction that has grabbed them. For those of you in here who feel like you don't know which way is up and the only thing you can see is darkness, don't forget to thank God in that moment. In Jesus' name, amen.